and welcome to Data Learners. Where we learn about data science with your data science mentor, that's me, Tori. And your data science mentee, manatee, I feel like one. Minty Fresh. <laughs> and that's me, Sami. So Sami, what's been going on with your project? Ooh, the project. The project has had some turmoil, some stress, probably added a few gray hairs to my head. I did notice that, but I didn't want to say anything. Yeah, I've got the gray. <laughs> the gray. <laughs> this last week or so, I took your advice. I used the dot .unique method in Pandas, and it reduced my data set super easily, like literally one line of code from 252,000 lines of code, or lines of information, to 72,000 lines-ish. Yeah, that's awesome. So the title of this episode is actually the $700 mistake. Maybe we can hear about what else you've been doing. While Why are you titling the episode already? <laughs> because it's perfect <laughs> okay. lesson for our listeners. So I got these 72,000 lines of information. I was like, okay, great. I can use the Google Places API and send my requests, get my latitudes and longitudes for each address. And there, I'm done. I have all my information. So I went over the Google Places API, I read through it, it seemed like I would have 100,000 free requests, and I was like, that's way more than I need, I'm good, right? It's more complicated than that. I <laughs> ran my code and looked at my Google Places or my Google Cloud Services account and saw the bill was not going up. And I was like, great, this is awesome. I can just let it run and like not pay attention to it for a while. And so I let it run. I went and saw a movie with some friends and I came back home at around 10.30ish, noticed that my code had stopped for some reason and checked the Google services, web services um, account that I have and saw that there was a bill on there for $778 and proceeded to immediately hyperventilate. Uh, <laughs> uh, luckily, I had the $300 of credit that we mentioned before that they just give you, and then there was also like a $200 of Google Places credit that they give every month to users, so it was closer to a $278 bill, which is still like a good chunk of change for a project that I was hoping to do for free. Uh, and <laughs> Like, you know, crisis averted, but still, like, expensive. So I spent this last week, one, hyperventilating, two, uh, emailing the Google Places API people, and, you know, they're really nice, generous people. It looks like I'm going to get the one-time adjustment for the mistake that I made, and they're waiting for me to, you know, set my quotas up and make sure this mistake doesn't happen again. Um, they're being very kind about it. That's good. So what was the root cause of the billing? So the, the large majority of the bill was that to request information from Google Places API, you have to do a text search, meaning you send information in and they match your text to the information that they have on file. And that is the most expensive part of, I think, using the Google Places API. You know, I had accidentally included atmosphere data, which is like uh, the business hours and things of different places, and that was like 50 bucks. 
right? And like one other field that I didn't really need. And that was like another 60 bucks. But 600 or so dollars was just a text search thing. So that got me thinking like, is there any way that I can do this and not incur any fee and, you know, not have to like pay corporate rates for information that I want? Yeah. So what's your alternative? So there is an open source solution to this, lo and behold, as there probably are for a lot of things we don't expect. Um, there is a, the open source organization is called OpenStreetMaps. And, you know, they have some pretty basic rules about how to use their data, how to contribute, which I think would be a really cool thing. I can use what information I already have from Google places. I don't know if that's legal. I have to double check on that kind of stuff. And the goal basically is, you know, to figure out how to use them. And they have this Python package library or something along the lines that you can import into your code. That's nominatim, um, which is Latin for geocoding. And yeah, it's it's kind of sweet um, that I can use that. Cool. So is your process going to change? Are you going to have to rewrite your script or just change the data source? I think I can just change the, the request thing, which is like a literally a three line thing. So the code is basically the same. Um, and it's just a matter of using that information. That's going to be like maybe another process of learning how to use that API. And I'm sure I'm going to run into different bugs in my program because of how maybe they have some sort of text search or they don't have a text search and you have to input the right addresses off the bat. I'm not sure mm. exactly on that. Yeah. So what are you importing? What library are you importing then? If you are still hitting an API, what's the point of the package? I think the package, it, it says geocode on it. I'm not exactly sure. I have to do more research on this. I've Tune been in next week. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think it's more along the lines of providing an infrastructure for using their data mm -hmm. and maybe being able to like pull that data out into Python as opposed to some other language. We'll find out. Yeah. So I probably just said a bunch of really silly things. We'll find out. <laughs> I'm not here to judge. I'm here to support. So that I feel like is going to turn into more of a side project. Um, I, I was hoping that maybe you could give me some advice about like, should I just focus on that or should I start to move forward in uh, a term that I heard you say called the data pipeline? Yeah, so you have some address data now, right? $700 worth of it, yes. <laughs> 700 mistake dollars worth of it. Which is how many addresses? It's close to 20,000. 20,000 addresses, yeah. okay. And you're going to do what with those addresses? Well, the goal is to, one, throw those addresses into another little program that does the Pythagorean theorem that we talked about last time and correlates, or maybe... Correlate isn't the right word, but pairs each address with the neighborhood center that it's at. Yeah. Have you tried doing that yet? I have not, but in my brain, it seems like a fairly simple thing to do with latitude longitude coordinates. Okay. Because it's just calculating Euclidean distance. And because it's all on my computer, I don't have to send requests anywhere else. I feel like it won't be too much of a pain to cycle through the 152 neighborhoods uh, that are in Oakland okay. to find the closest distance. 
So your question is basically, should I go back to this data pipeline that I've built to ingest um, latitude and longitude data and update it to work with your new source, OpenStreetMaps? Or should I move forward with my project and try to test the next steps of deep cleaning up this data um, using just the small part of data that I have right now? Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, it's a considerable chunk, right? It's yeah. two-sevenths of the information, um, which is 20,000 out of 72,000, which is, you know, reasonable at least to do some sort of exploration with the information I have and like mm -hmm. what I can do with it. And that way I can like move forward because I'm getting a little frustrated mm -hmm. with this like geocoding thing. And as much as I want to say like, I figured out the way to do it now. Aha, it's not going to cost me millions, hundreds of thousands of dollars. It won't cost me a hundred thousand uh, dollars. Um, it's, it's a little frustrating. Uh, and I feel like that shouldn't necessarily be the main goal of my project because I want to learn. It'd be nice and hopefully I can go back and like figure this stuff out um, later. Yeah. But I kind of just want to make progress. Yeah, you kind of want to make progress, and that's understandable from just a motivation and mindset perspective. And then I also personally like to do my entire data science project workflow end to end once with uh -huh. just sample data like you have. Or even if you just know the schema of your data set, you can just make dummy data just to say, like, are the things that I think I can do actually mm -hmm. possible? And have I scoped them correctly? I.e., will they be possible in the time that I've set aside to do them, right? Because okay. you kind of have an idea of what you want to do, right. but you haven't actually tested it yet. And so that right. will kind of help you work out where all the hidden kinks might be exactly. um, beforehand so that you don't spend a ton of time getting all yeah. this data and then find out that the next step is going to take 10,000 yeah. years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cost another yeah. $700. So yeah. um, I would do that. Yeah, I would move okay. forward. Cool. Yeah. So, so it makes sense to take what the information I have now mm -hmm. and start to move forward with it. Cause like maybe my Pythagorean theorem thing will take a minute per each request. Right. And that means I've got 72,000 requests, 72,000 minutes. It was just a long time. Yeah. Right. It's like a hundred. It's, it's a long time. Definitely. I don't, don't want to deal with that. So we'll, we'll figure it out. Maybe it'll be something easy. Maybe it'll work out the way I want it to. And maybe I will just be peeling an onion and keep crying. <laughs> yeah. Is that what coding is? <laughs> um, basically. The other thing that really helps in terms of like motivation is to try to find other people who are in the same situation as you and mm. do check-ins with each other or support each other in that way. So I okay. know that we have that relationship. Yay. Yay. But also like I'm slightly less frustrated than you are because I am working through my projects at a different pace mm -hmm. because I'm in a different spot. Um, You're better at this. I am better than you. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah, so I was just wondering in terms of data science community, if there's any other communities that you've tried to look for or reach out to online or otherwise, like so, other people who are doing what you're doing. I haven't done that. My coworker actually, who's in my little weekend running group that you met today is also trying to learn maybe not data science but programming and development in general so I've been trying to get him on the uh, bandwagon yeah is that the word for it that is the word uh, you know and trying to find someone else to work with he's probably gonna listen to this and I won't say his name okay uh, <laughs> but you know people I know like you my co-worker 
and I actually haven't tried other communities. I know that we mentioned a while back Kaggle? Kaggle. 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 Yeah. And that is something that I think might be helpful. I know that there are also, especially in the Bay Area, a lot of um, like what's it, hackathons that go on. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, yes, I have a couple people that I know personally, just because I think it's the nature of the area I live in. But I need to start reaching out, I think, to more strangers. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious more than anything. Definitely one of the first things that I hear when I see other people talking about how to get started with data science is Kaggle and like, oh, why don't you go check out a Kaggle competition, see what others are doing there and try to learn there. Well, I kind of remember a couple of years back, I had asked you about data science and I was like, hey, what should I do? And you're like, check out this Kaggle thing. And I think it was like a Titanic mm-hmm. problem where you're trying to figure out the best way to evacuate as many people on the ship as possible. It is trying to predict who will survive the Titanic based on passenger data. Gotcha. Um, It's just a toy. So not unlike my project now. It is a, actually your project (laughs) is much more complicated. I think that this is like a beginner level data science toy problem. And Mm -hmm. it's definitely something that you could go check out if you are like 100% new to data science and don't know what to do. Just because it's been worked over so many times and there's so many tutorials on it Mm. that you could really get your feet wet there. And there's guidance for it. Yeah. So that's really good. But then on the other hand, there's a lot of controversy around Kaggle sometimes. Mm. They have competitions. They have competitions. You can win money, network, meet people. Yeah. Those things that seem like fun. Yeah, money and friends sound fun. <laughs> you also get like this title of being the Kaggle Grandmaster if you win. I don't like that title. I know. So <laughs> I really feel uncomfortable with that title. <laughs> I think that's what it's called. Uh. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's always been somewhat controversial because for a lot of reasons. So one of them is that is doing Kaggle really that similar to doing a data science project or working as a data scientist. So does Kaggle mean you're good at, like doing well at Kaggle, does that mean you're good at data science? Yeah. So kind of like I said, your project is actually way harder than the Titanic project because you're actually having to go get your data and clean Mm -hmm. it and think about all these things. When you go to Kaggle, you're more or less presented with a clean data set, right? Which is not most of the job that you have to deal with as a data scientist. Totally. And um, recently, actually, some of the, one of the winners of the Kaggle competition was found out to have cheated. How dare they? I know. Wow. So there's that aspect that's being added to it. And then there's just the aspect mm-hmm. of, it just highlights the <laughs> just, lengths that people will go to to win these things. I also just thought like, it must be really hard to cheat around data scientists. Yeah, right? Apparently they were very clever about hiding some outside data into a ambiguously named feature. Mm. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they definitely had to work hard, but I think it. I think my problem with Kaggle is that people work really hard at the wrong things, gotcha. not just hiding their cheating, but also like optimizing this very specific performance metric to get the best accuracy in the model mm-hmm. versus the stuff that we talked about today, where it's just like you know what, you, that's enough data for now. Just move on and see how right. far you can get. Like trying to, to tackle the lowest hanging fruit versus perfect this thing, and I okay. think that's more realistic. So it's more dealing with more realistic code, yeah. more realistic data sets, more realistic problems, things that 
actually make a difference as opposed to like dealing with the Titanic. Yeah. Which might not be the most helpful. Uh, but I mean, like, there are also, I think, pretty interesting things. Like, I was looking at Kaggle the other day, Enron. Mm-hmm. They had, like, you know, the whole Enron thing that happened. Yeah. It was the 90s, right? Mm-hmm. Was I thought it that was 90s? more recent. I thought it was 2000s. No, maybe it was the early 2000s, but it was it was a while ago. And they had, yeah. like, uh, a bunch. And this was, like, one of the first times um, that a ton of emails were released as, like, public information in some ways with personal information redacted and they like that data set has been used in a lot of ways to figure out things about those emails and like what you can find and so like that's probably helpful like to learn the skills to be able to comb through that stuff like there's some merit to Kaggle oh definitely I think you can definitely learn skills uh, there and I think it's also one of the main places where data scientists aggregate online which was kind of like my first question to you is like yeah. you're trying to learn data science like where do you go to hang out with other people who are trying to do the same thing i think Nowhere. it's i think it's <laughs> yeah Sami comes here um listeners like where do you go to hang out with other data scientists i'm kind of mm-hmm. curious to know yeah i'm curious to know too i would love some data science friends who have tips and tricks and similar hopefully not 700 dollar mistakes yeah, so <laughs> drop us a line at datalearnerspod at gmail.com. Or follow us on datalearners at Twitter. Yep, at datalearners on Twitter. <laughs> I don't know how the internet works. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and um, yeah, let us know like where, where you go to hang out with other data scientists, besides here, obviously, because we want to meet you there. I did want to bring something up with you, actually. Okay, bring it up. Tell me. It's a little awkward, but... We've been doing this podcast for a couple months, and I haven't been paid yet. Uh, that was not part of our contract, and that we have no contract. What? You get paid in my company, okay? What? <laughs> I'm doing this for free? <laughs> yeah. Wait, not for free. You get my company. A lot of people want to hang out with me. Clearly. <laughs> I am a rare resource. Well... Other data scientists charge like several hundred dollars per session. So the value per money here is high at data learners. I feel like, I feel like, wait a second, wait a second. In the first episode, we asked, why are you doing this? And you were just like, I want to hang out with my friend Sami more. We had all the warm fuzzies. It was great. And now you're going to sully that? Yeah, I thought there was an understanding. Like, you know, an under the table understanding. Mm-mm. Okay. No. Well, that's okay. This tea you made me is delicious, though. Well, <laughs> listeners, <laughs> maybe you can pay me back with a with a rating or a review. Ooh, ratings and reviews are nice. Yeah. We don't have any, yet we apparently have an audience size of 25 people. Yes. There are data scientists around the world listening now. That's so exciting. So exciting. So rate us and listen to my computer make sounds. Your battery is running low. Great. Thank you.